Welcome to 1.5 Celsius, a podcast that makes understanding the science behind the climate crisis simple. I'm your host, Kirthi, and I'll be talking about all things related to global warming and what you can do to help save our planet. Today we'll be speaking with Adina Mangubat, the former CEO and co-founder of Spiral Genetics. She is currently an entrepreneur in residence for Air Miners, a community of innovators working on carbon capture technology. Adina was on the 30 Under 30 Forbes list in 2013, and also the 30 Under 30 All-Star Alumni list in 2017. Her work focuses on running starter accelerator programs for companies removing atmospheric carbon. Now, without any further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello, welcome to 1.5 Celsius. First of all, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really happy to have you on here today. Me too. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. Yeah, of course. Um, So first of all, would you like to just give a brief introduction about yourself? Sure. So my name is Adina Mangabat, and uh, I am the Accelerator Director for Air Miners. Um, And Air Miners is a community of innovators and entrepreneurs uh, all looking to remove uh, carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases from the atmosphere to reverse climate change. My background is that I have been an entrepreneur for over, I guess we're coming up on 15 years now. Um, And so my whole world has been around how do you build businesses? Um, And I came from uh, the genetic data mining space uh, previously, have sold a company, have closed a company, um, and I'm now working to educate the next generation of entrepreneurs in the carbon removal space so that they can succeed and really do what we need to do in order to have this planet work for us. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, So you mentioned that you were initially focused on, you know, the gene mining space. What initially prompted your interest in carbon capture? You know, the biggest thing was that I had my first kiddo. Um, He is now a year and four months old. And you know, they say that kids change your perspective. And that was very much the case for me. Like I looked at this beautiful, tiny human and looked at what was going to need to be true for the world to really work for him. And there was only one thing that really mattered. And that was climate. If we didn't handle that, then none of the other things really mattered. So what was it about carbon capture specifically? I know climate change is a very, you know, broad subject. So was there anything specific about carbon capture that piqued your interest? You know, I think the biggest thing is that it is necessary for us to be able to get to the 1.5 degrees Celsius increase goal that we have um, globally. If you really look at all of the CO2 that's being put out right now or other greenhouse gases that are being put out right now, and what can be achieved with decarbonization, which is emitting less carbon into the atmosphere, um, like lowering emissions, that gets us pretty darn, like pretty far, but it doesn't get us to what we need to get to. Um, If you look at the line kind of, you know, for reduction for just decarbonization, that doesn't even get us to two degrees Celsius increase. So if you want to close the gap between what decarbonization can do and what carbon removal is required, you have to, and and the 1.5 degree increase, you have to do carbon removal. And as I looked at the ecosystem, 
it seemed like a lot of focus had been placed on decarbonization, as it should be. It's really important. But there hadn't been as much focus placed on carbon removal. And it was a much younger, more nascent market. And so that was the area that I saw really needed the biggest boost and the greatest acceleration. Because if we don't have both of those like sectors moving together and moving together very quickly, uh, then we won't really have a shot at all at getting to the 1.5 degree increase. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And what do you think is kind of lacking in the carbon capture space right now? Lacking in the carbon removal space? Um, I mean, there's lots of opportunities. I mean, the biggest thing that's obviously lacking is scale. You know, we need to be, as a globe, removing 10 gigatons per year of carbon from the atmosphere. Gigaton is a billion tons. So, I mean, 10 billion tons of carbon or other greenhouse gas equivalents from the atmosphere per year. And we're nowhere close. You know, if you look at the largest uh, plants for, let's say, companies that are doing direct air capture, like Climeworks and Carbon Engineering, they're mm -hmm. aiming to have facilities that can do megaton scale in the next year or two. Oh. So, you know, and there's lots of other, like, it's not to say that direct air capture is the only way to go. There's lots of other ways to do it. You know, you could do it through ocean. You can do it through, you know, soil carbons. You can, and, you know, each, each type of removal really has its pluses and minuses, but uh, if you look at the entire system, we're nowhere close to having removed a gigaton, um, let alone 10. So could you just briefly go over some of the most common methods of carbon capture? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I do want to draw a distinction between capture and removal, right? Because there's two kind of components to it, right? You've got to get it out of the atmosphere in the first place, and then you got to do something with it such that it stays um, kind of captured for or, or sequestered for a long period of time. Um, so here are the major kind of categories. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. We're seeing new tech come out all the time. Um, but this kind of gives you the broad categories. So to start, we'll start with the nature-based solutions. Um, so terrestrial carbon capture using generally uh, photosynthesis on land to capture CO2 using plants and then doing something with that CO2 um, that's been captured by the plants. So your options typically are doing soil sequestration, which is uh, capturing the carbon in the soil via regenerative agriculture practices. And that has its pluses and minuses. The pluses are that it's very scalable. There's a lot of land that is um, arable right now that is, you know, being uh, managed and could be managed in a more regenerative agriculture kind of way and would sequester carbon in the soil for some period of time. The minus on that is that sci the science that we've seen so far shows that uh, it's not sequestered for a really long period of time. Oh, Somewhere between 10 and 20 years is kind of the, the consensus um, within the scientific community at the moment. Um, so that's an option. And you know, we don't want to knock soil carbon at all because right now, just in terms of the timeline that we have um, as a globe, we have a little less than seven years to get it together to avoid going over the 1.5 degrees Celsius increase. And so even if we are only sequestering stuff for 10 years or 20 years, 
we need all the help we can get to be able to push that timeline out further because we do not have the technologies required to uh, avoid going over 1.5 degrees Celsius right now. So that's soil carbon. Other things that you can do with plants that have captured a bunch of CO2 in their stalks and bodies of the plants is you can take that and you can either produce biochar or bio oil. Um, and basically the short version is that you take the, the biomass from the plant and you process it in a particular way by usually burning it or heating it in a low oxygen or absence of oxygen environment. And that produces either essentially a charcoal that can be then buried in sequesters for about a hundred years or so, or you can turn it into oil. Um, and this is what a company called Charm Industrial is doing, where they take it and they actually take the oil and put it down abandoned oil wells or no longer in use oil wells. And it stays down there and uh, doesn't come back up and is essentially sequestered for millennia. So that's the terrestrial side of the house. Um, I can go into kind of detail on the other ones. And we've got ocean, we've got direct air capture, we've got mineralization. People are making products out of CO2 as part of the sequestration option. So I can go into detail on any of those, but uh, I want to make sure that we don't overwhelm your your listeners. I think it would be interesting to hear what some of those products are that you mentioned though. Yeah, sure. So once you've captured the carbon, you can do that in a bunch of different ways, right? Like one of those is direct air capture where you basically have giant fan systems that suck in air and run the air over a sorbent and the sorbent captures the CO2. And then there's got to be a process to release it. But once you've captured it, what do you do with it? And one of the options is you can make products out of it. So um, there's a number of companies that are doing this, everything from concrete to consumer goods, detergents, car parts, diamonds. Um, If you really stop and think about it, a lot of the things that we interact with in our lives um, are based on fossil fuels. And so there are companies that are trying to um, make many of those products without the use of fossil fuels. So companies like 12, um, they're really interesting. They're the ones that are doing um, car parts. I think they're partnered with Mercedes to do that. They're making laundry detergent. Um, They're making e-fuels and are partnered with Alaskan Airlines for that. Um, They've made like glasses, lenses. Um, 12 is a pretty interesting company and they're trying to make many, many uh, products out of that. And those products last for a long enough period of time that they are uh, a source of carbon sequestration. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. For those listeners who aren't familiar, could you explain the accelerator program? Yeah. So um, I'm the director of uh, the accelerator at Air Miners and Air Miners is a community of, uh, I guess I've read like 1,600 people at this point. But one of the things that we noticed um, a little over a year ago is that um, many of those people were starting companies and had a lot of questions. Um, And so we have put together programming um, and it's free. So it's a six week program. Um, Thanks so much to the folks that have funded us via grant funding um, to make that possible. But the six week accelerator program covers uh, customer discovery, how to really distinguish what the value of your particular 
method of removal is or your particular product you're producing um, as part of your removal is and how to talk about that with potential buyers of your carbon removal credits, um, how to do uh, what is called a techno-economic assessment to make sure that the unit economics of doing that process is gonna make sense, uh, a life cycle analysis to make sure that the process is in fact carbon negative. Um, so all of that stuff is covered in the six-week program. And if you're interested in learning more about that, um, you can go to uh, airminers.org and uh, Launchpad is the is the name of the accelerator. So that's that one. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. How many companies have you worked with? That's a good question. Um, we have worked with over sixty companies at this point. We do quarterly batches. So every quarter we accept a new round of applications and we select out the teams that you know we think are ready for the accelerator and run them through that. And right now we're doing about 15 to 16 teams a quarter. And you know we're looking to make sure that we deliver the program in a way that's really valuable, but also we'd love to be able to scale over time, um, especially as we have, there's more and more high quality applications coming in um, over time as this industry develops. And so we're super excited about having as many companies as we can serve, uh, you know, well come through so that way we can accelerate this industry as quickly as possible. And how long have you been working with air miners? I have been working with them since January of this year. It's eight months, yeah. Okay, so is has the company been around for a while or is this still relatively new? Airminers has been around for a while. Um, oh. So uh, Tito was one of the original, um, original kind of founders of that. And um, yeah, it's been going on for several years at this point. Um, let me just think, it's been a while since I've, thought about the origins of yeah I'll, I'll have to get back to you on that in terms of exactly what data was started but I know it's been around for several years at this point oh okay so has it always been you know the same focus on the accelerator programs or has it like changed over time at all yeah the accelerator programs is a relatively new thing and I just looked it up five almost six years is how long air miners the community oh, okay. has been around um, but it was about a year ago, a little over a year ago, that the accelerator was something that came to be. Um, and we did that in partnership with XPRIZE and Creative Destruction Labs to bring that forward. And it was really because of the demand that we saw within our community. Um, we just saw that there were so many folks that were trying to start companies and kind of needed a little bit of guidance because many of these folks were technical founders and had never started a company before. And Technology is a really important component of this whole journey, right? But technology is not sufficient uh, to make a company. You need that plus all of the business stuff too. And so educating on the business side of the house was really important. So just in terms of you know, carbon capture technology, do you think that we're moving fast enough in order to meet the 1.5 Celsius goal? It's hard to say. I, I think that... My expectation is that if we're going to meet the 1.5 degrees Celsius goal, it is going to be through a tremendous effort um, of 
kind of humanity really realizing at scale that this is a real issue and that this is coming and coming really fast and moving kind of into emergency mode to be able to respond. We are not moving at the pace of emergency mode at this point. And there's lots of stuff that's happening with regards to trying to move us more into that, but there's just a lot of politics involved um, globally that play into our ability to respond um, as quickly as we need to. There are many, many companies that are doing a really good job of trying to accelerate that in the face of the absence of um, federally mandated kind of carbon emissions and, and carbon removal requirements. And so I think that the voluntary market is something that for now, at least within the United States, we're really relying on to accelerate as much as possible. Um, so I guess to answer your question, probably not, but technology is an interesting thing in that it moves very, very quickly. And so it's always hard to know exactly how far along that curve we are yeah, until definitely. we get there. Yeah. Again, climate change has a lot of different aspects, but are there any areas that you think need to be focused on in order for us to get, you know, closer to that goal? I mean, for climate in general, gosh, I mean, that's a really, really wide question. I don't think that I'm qualified to answer for all of climate change, um, <laughs> but I can speak that within, re within carbon removal, um, mm -hmm. there are definitely some specific areas for opportunity for innovation that would make a huge difference for the rest of the industry. So for example, one of the biggest issues that we're actually dealing with right now is uh, measurement, reporting, and verification. You know, sounds like a fairly boring thing, but uh, <laughs> one of the biggest questions is like, okay, well, is the technology that whatever company it is that is using, is it really removing carbon? Like, how do we know? That's a whole measurement conversation. Um, whether you're doing it through direct air capture or sinking of seaweed in the ocean, um, or you're doing it through soil carbon, right? There's a lot of questions of like, well, what's happening to the carbon, you know, short-term and long-term um, because long-term is what we're really concerned for. And then there's uh, questions about, okay, well, now you've verified that you're actually removing carbon. How do you make sure that that carbon removal credit is only sold once and isn't sold multiple times? That was a huge issue that we had in the offsets market. Um, and so we're trying to make sure that that's different this time in the carbon removal market. So there's a, a big wide opening for companies to come in and play the role of measurement, verification, and reporting. Seems like a somewhat boring thing, but it really is an enabler in the industry because it provides trust. So that way companies can buy and know what they're buying. On the technology side of the house, I mean, direct air capture is a really interesting piece of tech, right? In that it's very easy to measure, you know, exactly how much, um, how much CO2 is being captured because you can measure the fan speed and the air volume that's coming through. But it loses some of its economics um, in terms of the amount of carbon potentially removed because most of the sorbents require heating. And so if you could do a room temperature direct air capture technology, and there's many that are in the works, um, or you could use biology to do that, um, you know, instead of just doing it from a chemical compound perspective, that could be really, really valuable. 
genetic engineering of crops to help them fix carbon faster and grow faster. So that way we could use that for biomass or biochar or bio oil. Like there's lots and lots of different things that people could do to accelerate the process. Um, so many opportunities. Um, and then I guess just um, a general question for people who are listening, what's something specific that they can do right now to help you know, alleviate the issue? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it depends on the person. Um, I mean, for starters, being aware of what your carbon footprint is, mm -hmm. is a really, really good start. And there's a bunch of online tools that you can do to yeah. use to assess what that is. So first, knowing what your carbon footprint is, two, being responsible for that to the greatest extent that you can be, whether that's making changes around uh, kind of the lifestyle you're living or making sure that you're actually purchasing carbon removal credits to um, account for the things that, you know, you can't decarbonize yet. Um, that's something that everyone can do. Um, and supporting the carbon removal market is very much a big thing. Although I will say that at this point, there is far more demand for carbon removal credits than there is supply. So that could be a challenging one. In terms of, you know, listeners that are out there, um, I would say just don't, don't be afraid to jump in and, and really participate in this market. We see tons of folks from all sorts of backgrounds that frankly had nothing to do with climate uh, or carbon removal jumping into this space. And they're just like me. They really, they saw that there was this issue and they applied their skills to it. And so whether you're a chemist or a physicist or an entrepreneur or a student, um, you know, everybody's got something to offer here and we are going to need it all in order to make it work. So if you're interested in learning more about carbon removal and you've never, you know, this is a totally new area for you, um, we definitely have resources um, to educate people that are new to it. Um, so for example, we have a crash course, that's what I call it, in carbon removal called Boot Up. You can check that out and it's free and it's bootup.airminers.org for that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I definitely think that's one of the things that's pretty empowering. It's people from all walks of life just trying to make the planet a little bit more healthy and make it safer for generations to come. Yes. But do you think you could elaborate a little more? You mentioned carbon removal credits. Yeah. Um, so carbon removal credits are what we're trying to generate at this point. So if you've removed a ton of carbon, that is typically what is considered a carbon removal credit. And those are being purchased by mostly companies, but sometimes individuals at this point that are looking to you know, have a net zero emissions uh, goal for their company. So there are marketplaces that you can purchase these on, um, that anybody can purchase on. Um, for example, uh, you can do this on Nori. Nori is a soil carbon focused uh, carbon removal marketplace. Uh, Puro.earth is a uh, biochar kind of focused, they, they're starting to branch out more, but they're a marketplace where you can do bio, biochar uh, carbon removal credits. Carbon Futures is, is another one. So there's many marketplaces that are starting to pop up where uh, people that have 
built companies that are removing carbon are listing their carbon removal credits online and you can purchase those. And the price really is determined by the permanence of the removal. The more permanent it is, the more expensive it is typically. Okay, that makes sense. Final question for you personally, since there's a lot of, I guess, negatives that come with um, climate change, how do you, what keeps you optimistic? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say that as an entrepreneur, I tend to be a high optimist. And I guess what keeps me optimistic about this space is that I think that we as human beings can rise to perform incredible feats when we're under pressure. And we saw that when we, or, or when we put our minds to it even, we saw that in us you know, going to the moon. We saw that in the production of the vaccine for this you know, pandemic. When we're under pressure and we are aligned in recognizing um, a goal and we align around performing on that, we can perform very, very well. And so I think that what keeps me optimistic is that I know that we have that capacity and what there is to do now is to have that clarity and alignment around that this is something that needs to be dealt with and dealt with urgently. So that way we can get the world behind it. Yeah. Okay, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. Thanks so much for your time too. And thanks to everybody who's listening. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to follow it so that you don't miss any future updates and share it with anyone who might be interested. You can also leave us a rating on Spotify to help support the show. See you next time.